Good morning. Today's passage is from Isaiah chapter 11. In our church Bibles, it's on page 562. Page 562, Isaiah chapter 11, reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Let us pray. Father God, it's exciting to read from your word how you have been faithful in your promises, especially about the coming of Jesus, the origin of your promise, and as we live it now, it's wonderful to reflect on your faithfulness. Pray for David this morning as he bring your message. Give us the heart to and ears to listen and to hear you speaking to us clearly. In Jesus' name, Amen. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand, will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name's uh, Dave Shannon. I'm one of the uh, ministers here. Uh, good to see you this morning. Well, let me ask you, who is the greatest king? Is it King Kong, the king of the jungle? Is it Elvis, the king of rock and roll? Is it LeBron James, the self-declared, or someone else declared him, the debatable king of the NBA? Or is it the king of spin, Shane Warne? Well, when I think king, I think King David, the greatest king of Israel, because this is the David that I got my name from. I was named after King David. So he was a mighty king, the mighty warrior king who won many battles. And he was a good guy. He was a man after God's own heart. He was the benchmark for all future kings. And you see, God's king... They were meant to lead God's people under God's direction, under God's rule. But you see, most kings did not. 
They did whatever they wanted. Last Sunday we saw in King Ahaz, who was the king of Judah at the time, he rejected God. He ignored God's good word and just did many evil and wicked things. In fact, even David, King David, the greatest of all kings, the benchmark, the king that all other kings looked up to, even he did great evil. He slept with another man's wife and then had her husband killed to cover up his tracks, to try and cover it up. And that's Israel's greatest king? But the reality is that all the kings, God says, have done great evil in his sight and have aroused his anger. And instead of caring for God's people, they are used and abused, rejected, uh, and they reject the one true God. And they worship false, fake gods. And as a result of their worship of folk-faced gods, well, the people follow them and worship false, fake gods. These evil, bad kings use their power for evil and greed. But you see, we're going to meet a different king today. And although we've not followed the book of Isaiah from the very start, from chapter 1 onwards, uh, what we saw on Sunday was that Ahaz, well, he was a terrible king, but he was really just like all the other kings of the time, ordinary and evil. If, if they were meant to be God's king, well, they didn't rely on God. They didn't stand with God. They didn't listen to his word. They didn't, they feared the surrounds and what was happening around them rather than fearing the God who controls what is happening around them. You see, they are proud, arrogant and wicked. And so God would judge them. And it's kind of like this tree. I've got a picture of a, of a tree here. When we look at that tree, we might think it is tall, immovable, it is powerful. It provides peace, shade and protection. And the book of Isaiah, the, the prophet who writes Isaiah, he describes kings using the image of a tree. Because a king, like a tree, is powerful and they are meant to provide peace and protection for their people, like a good tree. But sadly, the kings have not done this. And so at the end of chapter 10, just before our reading today that Esther read for us, just before there, in the last couple of verses there, we see that God brings down these big, tall, lofty, tall, thick trees. He brings them down. He hacks them to the ground. They will be felled. They will be cut down with an axe and burned up. These trees which seem impressive, immovable, these great kings which seem impressive and immovable will be brought to nothing because they have rebelled against God who controls all things. But you see, there's also been a hint of another king in the book of Isaiah. We've got a a glimmer of, of him the last couple of times we've met, but particularly on Christmas Day, we saw that the child who would be born who brings great hope, the one who would bring certain rejoicing, what was his name? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, this king, this is the king we're going to see more of this morning. 
Have a look there at uh, verse 1 uh, of Isaiah 11, where it says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. So remember how I said at the end of chapter 10, the trees have been cut down, they've been felled, they will be brought to nothing, they will be utterly destroyed, completely rooted out of the ground, and that is all the king's. And that includes these big, impressive, big, powerful nations. The fearful nations of the time are Assyria and Egypt, and they're wiping out nations in their wake. Uh, and yet God includes them, that these big, tall, impressive things will be cut down and brought to nothing. But you see, for Judah, who, to, who likewise will be brought down, from, from the ashes a king will arise. And so there is hope for this kingdom. There will be a shoot. A shoot will come up from the stump like regrowth after a bushfire. I'm not sure if you've ever driven through a forest uh, that has been ravaged by bushfires. And after a couple of years, you drive back through and the regrowth, it looks beautiful, really, as you see the, the darkness and the, and the green kind of coming up as, as new spruits start to grow in place of these dead things. Well, this new shoot is a new king, a new king for Judah, and it is a king from the line of Jesse. Now, Jesse was a guy from the Old Testament who we meet in, in the book of Samuel, and he had a bunch of sons, a heap of sons. In the youngest, the smallest, the insignificant son, forgotten by everyone else, He was the son that was chosen by God to be his king. And this is King David himself, the greatest of all kings. Jesse's son was anointed uh, by God to be his king. And here's the thing with being anointed by God to be God's king. Those who are anointed, they are called God's Messiah. So a Messiah is, is God's chosen king. Uh, elected by God to be king, so that includes from Saul onwards, they are God's chosen king, the anointed king, they are God's Messiah. But here's the thing, all the kings from David onwards, they've been really disappointing. The expectations and hopes people have of a, of a good king who will care for the people, well, they have all failed. And so as a result, their hopes had changed from their present king to a future king. Who will be this future king, this future Messiah who will come from the line of David, from the line of Jesse? Because this king will be a king like no other. And that is what we see here in Isaiah 11. You see, the Lord's Messiah, he is the king to come. He would be different from all other kings because he has the spirit of of the Lord. Have a look there at verse 2 and, and, and notice as we read through this, notice the repeated words through here. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. You see, God's promised future Messiah, he's going to have the spirit of the Lord. He will be empowered by God's spirit. 
And you see, being empowered by the Spirit, having the Spirit rest on him, he will be able to act in ways that are more than human. He will have perfect ethical behaviour. Because without the Spirit, without God's Spirit, well, he would just be like all the other kings before them. But you see, God's Messiah here, this promised future king, he will have the Spirit of the Lord. And so he, he will use his power for God. He will be driven to do and, and will do what God wants. He will be primarily concerned to please the Lord, unlike the evil kings before who sought to do whatever they wanted to get ahead. No, 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 this king will be seek to only please the Lord in what he does. He'll be grounded in the fear of the Lord. He'll have true wisdom, true understanding, true knowledge. He will be dependable. He will not let an issue cloud his judgment. He will see correctly and always, always act with integrity. He will not be self-seeking. He will have the Spirit of the Lord on him. He will be empowered by it. And it's kind of like seeing a policewoman. You know, we might see a policewoman like this lady here in the uh, uh, as a picture. <clears throat> we see her in a uniform and we can see, ah, there you go, she is a policewoman. But if she was just wearing, wearing ordinary clothes, we would see her just, just as a woman down the street. It is her uniform that gives her her identity. And so just like the policewoman, this future Messiah, this future king, what makes him distinct is that he will have the spirit of the Lord upon him. It will empower him. It is part of his identity. Because the Lord's Messiah, the one who is to come, will have the spirit of the Lord upon him. Well, the Lord's Messiah, he will be equipped with the spirit of the Lord and he will rule perfectly. He will rule perfectly. Have a look there at verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. You see, the Lord's Messiah, he will rule perfectly. He is a righteous judge ruling with justice. Did you notice that? Righteousness and faithfulness will cling to him in verse 5. That is, it is like a belt. It is a, a sash around, and it's kind of the image of his undergarments, like his undies, that is, at the very core of who he is, beneath the uniform, he is righteous, trustworthy, dependable. He is faithful. He always does what is right because he rules perfectly. And what a contrast to to the wicked kings and evil kings before him. And what a, what a contrast to the, to the present day lawmakers and judges who can and often do make mistakes. 
whether they rule against someone because of a prejudice they have or because of corruption that has taken place or because of false information. You see, how do you feel when the guilty get away with murder because of a technicality? Or when the rich and famous get away with breaking the law because they're rich and famous? Or these businesses that that receive millions and billions of dollars in revenue and yet pay no tax? You see, these these injustices can frustrate and anger us. But you see, the Lord's Messiah, he rules perfectly. And the wool can't be pulled over his eyes. You see, nothing is hidden from him. He sees through the facade. He knows when we're playing, playing, playing pretend. Pretending, lying, cheating, he knows. Because he sees all, knows all, hears all. And always acts with integrity and truth. And so his judgments are always perfectly right and fair. But isn't that a scary reality? Isn't that frightening? That this future Messiah, this one to come, who rules perfectly, sees right into my heart. He sees right into your heart. Have you ever stopped to ponder that reality? You see, the Lord Messiah, who rules perfectly, he sees and hears everything. He sees what we do behind closed doors when we think nobody's looking. He sees what we look at on our mobile phones. He knows when we've cheated others. He even hears the quiet whispers in our mind about our family, friends, colleagues. You see, this king is a fair and righteous judge. He won't let the wrongdoing go unpunished. And whilst it's easy to think, yeah, it's about time those baddies got it for all their wrongdoing, those rich and famous people, those whatever, but actually we too should be shaking in our boots because we are doomed just as much as they are because we can't stand before this judge who rules perfectly because we do not live perfectly every minute of every day. We rebel against our God, our maker, daily. We neglect, we reject, we turn away from him and do not live how he desires. You see, because doing my best is not enough. And our best is so far short of God's standards anyway. It's kind of like a child who wants to ride on a water slide. So when they, they come to the line of the water slide, they get to the front of the queue and they, there's a person there checking the height, they've got their stick and they're checking the height and the child is too short. You are not tall enough to ride this ride. You have missed the mark. But you see, we too miss the mark. We are guilty before the Lord's Messiah. That is me and that is also you. We will face his judgment. Because God's not impressed by the show we may put on for others who are impressed by the things we do. You see, he sees through the facade. He sees through the makeup we put on. He sees the reality beneath. You see, God's not impressed that we intend church on Sunday, that we do nice things for others, that we give to charity, because he sees our hearts. 
the filthy, rotten, wicked rags we actually wear by not living a righteous life, how God would like us to live. You see, the wool will not be pulled over his eyes. As we stand before this future Lord's Messiah who rules perfectly, we stand condemned. But you see, there is hope. There is hope. It is what we celebrate at Christmas time that after the birth of Jesus, after the angels, after the shepherds, after the sheep, Mary and Joseph, they take Jesus, baby Jesus, who's 40 days old, they take their baby to the temple in Jerusalem because that is what was required by the law. And so we see in Luke chapter 2 that they go to the temple and they meet this guy, Simeon. Simeon is a righteous and devout man who has been waiting. Here is a man who has been waiting for the Lord's Messiah. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 26, we're told that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he dies. And so as, as Jesus is brought into the temple, well, Simeon, he's pumped, he's stoked, he's over the moon because Jesus has come. And as he holds Jesus in his arms, Simeon, the devout man who's been waiting for the Lord's Messiah to come, he praises God saying these words. Uh, I think I've got it up on the screen from verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You see, the Lord's Messiah, who rules perfectly, who is promised in Isaiah chapter 11, which we've been working through, he is the one that is born at Christmas, that is, Jesus. And did you notice there in verse 30, up on the screen, it says, he's the Lord's salvation. You see, the Lord's Messiah, who rules perfectly, the judge, he is also the Lord's salvation. You see, the judge is also the one who saves. We saw last Sunday with some of the various names that Jesus would be given. He would be given the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He would have the name Emmanuel, God come to be with us. And so this Jesus... God himself who has come to be with us, he is the one who would come to save his people from their sin. You see, the problem we face is that the Lord's Messiah, who rules perfectly, and on our own we stand condemned. Yet in God's kindness, we remember at Christmas that God has provided salvation, the coming of his Messiah, that when we trust in him, we would be saved. If we recognize we need a savior, we will be saved. But here's the thing at Christmas, the baby doesn't remain a baby. You see, he's a father of three. I, I know this too well. I look back at pictures on my phone, and I really only have to go back a few months, and I'm really shocked by how much they have grown in that short period. The thing with children is they grow up. 
And that is exactly the same with the Christmas child who grew into the man who would die on the cross to rescue sinners. You see, on the cross, which we celebrate at Easter, Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. Because the righteous judge cannot leave sin unpunished, instead he takes our place so that we can find forgiveness in him. And so at Christmas we remember the birth of the Saviour, God's promised future king. It is glory to the newborn king who rules perfectly and is the judge who has come to save. Well, back in Isaiah chapter 11, we've seen that Jesus, he is the Lord's Messiah. He rules perfectly. And we'll also see that he brings everlasting peace. And so with symbolic language, we see everlasting peace described. Have a look there at verse 6 of Isaiah chapter uh, Isaiah 11, verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And while this is strange imagery, I think we get the idea that the Lord's Messiah, who rules perfectly, he is going to bring security, safety, peace, everlasting peace. It would be like walking home in the middle of no man's land in a war without fear. Not that there would be wars. Or like walking through long grass in the bush without fearing snakes. Or swimming anywhere in the ocean, knowing that the sharks or crocodiles, depending where you are, will not bite. There is security and safety. Universal everlasting peace. And it's a picture of Eden, but actually heaps better. Eden was, was localised, this small small garden, but here is, it's a universal garden that covers the whole world. It is everlasting. And at that time, everyone everywhere will know the Lord. Everyone will know God. God will no longer be rejected or ignored. Everyone everywhere will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. I wonder if you saw the news on Monday this week uh, where Jackie was trending uh, on social media, on Twitter at least. Her name kept on popping up everywhere I saw. Uh, Jackie is a, a volunteer firefighter helping out near Mudgee uh, in central New South Wales. Uh, and Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, he went and spoke to her to thank her. Thank you so much for the, for the great work she's been doing in, uh, in fighting these fires that are raging uh, across our country at the moment. And during that conversation, she said, you're not my Prime Minister. And if we stop the story there, the, the, 
social media just went off. People loved it. They're like, yeah, how good's that? Sticking it to the Prime Minister. Yeah, you're not my Prime Minister. I'm going to reject you. I don't like you. I'm going to reject you, not acknowledge you, and, and all this kind of stuff. There was kind of this, like, this, yeah, Jackie's our hero because she kind of gave it to the Prime Minister. But actually, if we keep on following this story, what came out later was that uh, actually she's a British citizen and so her Prime Minister is actually Boris Johnson. Uh, but you really had to follow the story a few days later to actually <laughs> realise uh, that is what what happens. Uh, but that is the reality of the way people treat people, like our Prime Minister. We don't want to meet some people, don't like him, and so they want to reject him, not acknowledge him as king, as, as, as the PM. And that is exactly what people have done with God. In our present day and age, people reject God. They, they don't want to acknowledge him. They ignore him. But you see, this time when everlasting peace will come, everyone everywhere will know that King Jesus, he is the Messiah, that he is the great king, because the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth just like the waters cover the sea. And so that time is to come. That time is to come when his universal rule is known by all. You see, a time of everlasting peace is coming when the hardness and struggles and difficulties of this life will end. When those who trust the Lord's Messiah will live in everlasting peace. And what a great comfort it is for those who know and trust him as the Lord's Messiah. But you see, this is also a warning for us. Are we right with God? Are we right? Are we ready to face the Lord's Messiah who rules perfectly and will bring everlasting peace? Have we humbled ourselves before him? Humbled ourselves before the Lord's Messiah who rules perfectly, recognizing our sin and need for forgiveness because we must trust in him because he alone can save we must listen to this warning. You see, Jesus is the Lord's Messiah, the promised one to come. He is the one who rules perfectly and will bring everlasting peace. And so it is no wonder that at Christmas time the world rejoices at his arrival. Joy to the world, the Saviour reigns, and like the song we just sung, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconcile. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks that at Christmas we celebrate the birth of Jesus, your promised future king, your Messiah, who rules perfectly and will bring everlasting peace. We give you great thanks for him. Help us remember him always in all that we do, that we may live for him and serve him always regardless of what happens in life, that we may always serve him and be found in him.
because he is our Saviour and King. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.